Welcome to No More Mondays, the podcast that helps you navigate career challenges through the wisdom of professionals who have been at the same crossroads. I'm your host, Angie Callen, and I welcome you to join me each week as I chat with leaders, entrepreneurs, and employees who are here to share their practical, tactical advice and some inspiration on how they arrived at career and life satisfaction. From job searching and career changes to going out on your own, we are breaking down barriers and providing actionable takeaways to help you take charge of your Mondays and ditch those Sunday blues. Welcome to No More Mondays. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of No More Mondays podcast. You know me. I am your host, Angie Callen, and I want to know how you manage stress. Have you created healthy coping mechanisms or do you let yourself get to that breaking point of burnout before you actually do anything about it? Are you deliberate in your evolution? Today, we're going to give you some food for thought on this topic as burnout and recovery coach Dan Capello joins me to talk about how he made the choice to step away from a career that was taking its toll on his well-being to create an intentional path to health and success. His book, Deliberate Evolution, Six Stops Every Leader Must Make to Step into a Life of Success, details the insights he learned in the stress and chaos as an executive chef, and it'll be hitting bookshelves later this summer. And he is here to help me motivate you to stop the burnout in its tracks. So I hope you will help me welcome to the show, Dan Capello. Dan, welcome to No More Mondays. Hey, how are you doing? Good to be here. I am good. Uh, you you gave yourself one heck of a book title, but I, there's so much in there that I'm like, ooh, 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 that tells me really what it's all about. And I want to I dig into it. But first, I think it would be really helpful to stage set the stage for everybody out there um, and how you got into this work in burnout and recovery coaching, because it really seems like it came, it has come from your firsthand experience working in one of the most stressful environments we know is the kitchen. So tell everybody a little bit about your background. So I've been an executive chef at uh, high end country clubs for 30 years. And I would say I'm a professional burnout artist. I feel like that is probably appropriate. And so why would you call it a burnout? Why would you call that being a burnout artist? What causes that? Well, it's very competitive, especially if you're in the higher end echelon of the profession. And everybody is jonging for the next position, for the higher position, all that. So it's pretty cutthroat sometimes. Because I mean, if you really, you know, you see Hell's Kitchen and you're like, oh, that's so vicious and all that. And it's like, that's training school. That's not the real, you know, the real thing. When you get into the high-end professional kitchens, everybody thinks everybody's stodgy and that. No, it's a bunch of organized pirates. And, you know, not in a bad way, like they're going to slit your throat, but they might. But they'll throw away your mise en place. They'll throw away oh. your, your prep and then get you in trouble. Or they'll watch you go down in flames, you know, when you get in the weeds and all the tickets are coming and you can't handle it. They're just kind of like watch you and smile and like, uh-huh, uh-huh, you can't hang. Which is basically the food pirate version of slitting your throat. So you're oh, yeah. kind of right when you say yeah. that. <laughs> you're like, I know I had it in there. I just, I mean, had two pans. Now they're gone. It's like somebody's like laughing their little butt off. So what was the breaking point that made you realize this wasn't going to be a healthy path to continue on? What really made you kind of wake up and say, I need to do things differently? Well, I constantly had problems. So I figured out my problem a long time ago was... I had some trauma that was that I didn't remember back when I was six. So the place that I found is I would 
gain a lot of weight, and then I would have to do something physical, like go do Philmont with my son, which is a high adventure camp. You're out there 140 or 60 miles. You have to hike as the crow flies in northern New Mexico in the mountains. And you got like 10 days to do this. So I went from like 260 down to about 220 and was able to do that. It took me like eight, nine months. Well, then in 2019, I found myself at 300 pounds. And, very, you know, successful. I was making, you know, the most money I'd ever made in my life. I was doing good, you know, with vacation, education funds, all this other good stuff. Uh, marriage was so-so. Relationship with kids was so-so. Because I spent so much time focusing on my job that I didn't focus on my self-care or my family, relationships, a lot of the things. So I found myself at that 300 pounds and I saw a picture of myself at a wedding and I looked at myself and I was like, holy moly, look how huge I am. And it just kind of like snapped something. And then I saw, or I read David Goggins book, Can't Hurt Me. So that was a great book. I read it in November. So January 1, 2019, I was like, I need to do something. And after reading his book, his journey, he went from 300 pounds to a Navy SEAL in, in like 90 days. Like, who does that? And he's like, I do, I do. <laughs> but so I was like, you know what? I'm going to run a Spartan race. So I'm sitting here 300 pounds, out of shape, uh, knees jacked up from surgeries. And I said, I'm going to run a Spartan race in October. I mean, who does that? I do. Talk about forced accountability, right? You, you, you basically created a, a deadline for yourself to make, you, to make you do the work, right? Oh, yeah. And it, it was kind of terrifying because it's like you got to do all these burpees if you can't, if you don't do it. And there's so much. And but I do remember the obstacle course when I was in the Air Force. That was one of my favorite things in the basic training was the obstacle course. So I was like, man, that'd be really cool to do that. So I envisioned myself jumping over that fire at the very end. And, and that's what pulled me through as well. October of that year of 2019, I ran my first Spartan race at 227 pounds. Congrats. So, but then I was like, okay, everything's fine. Cool. I'm, I'm in great shape. I'm, you know, but I, I, everybody says, oh yeah, you lost all this weight, but I was still 40, 40 something pounds overweight over my ideal weight. So the part that really got me is I ran into my mental issues because I had, to, well, I would say it was depression, but that's not, that's what everybody calls it. You know, you're depressive, you know, I, I, over-medicated or self-medicated, drank too much, too many drugs, all that stuff. Late at night, you get off work and, and you drink a bottle of wine, you eat some snacks, and then you go to bed and it just takes a toll on you. But in that kitchen environment can perpetuate like what would already be probably unhealthy habits you have a tendency for. And now you're in a work environment that that just kind of exacerbates those tendencies and doesn't give you a framework to to really step out of them very well. Right. So is that when you started say, like the, the external or the physical health was the, was the trigger, the initial trigger. It was like literally this like scale number on your face picture that was like, okay, I need to change something. And through that effort, it was also kind of this idea that like, okay, well, my work in the kitchen isn't going to help me make the long-term changes that you need to make. Is that kind of how that all came together? It's like all those little parts need to fit. Right. Well, when you build all that, and you actually a lot of times people who go in the kitchen have have coping mechanism issues. They have issues with society because they they have 
unresolved trauma. They have, they're never good enough. They weren't, there's a lot of childhood issues that manifest as an adult. We all have them. I'm not good enough. Uh, my parents didn't love me. I never got any attention. Uh, I, I was beat, you know, so you had trauma. You know, mine was consistent trauma. I, I got the crap beat out of me all the time because I was a little shit. But I found out after losing all that weight and I thought everything was cool, I ran into some mental, and people call it mental illness. I call it after going through it and coming out of it, it's a mental misunderstanding because we don't understand why we think the way we think. And you don't know anything differently. So how can you understand because that's the only perspective that you have. So that's an actually real, I really like that term, the idea or the concept even of this mental misunderstanding and and re, it, rewiring the perspective that can help you understand it. I don't even want to say differently, but better. So what are some of the activities or some of the steps you took around that component of your overall well-being to make some changes? You, you said the great word just a minute ago, perspective. And that's the problem. People want to change and they think it's going to take all this. Like I had to change to do all this weight loss and all that. No, the change happened on January 1st. That perspective shift. All it took is a micro perspective shift that got me all the way to the end. It's that I see myself jumping over the fire. I could do it. And so you do it. That's the change. The whole nine months wasn't the, or 10 months wasn't the change. It was that microsecond. And that's where our lives are. But then I ran into that other part and I started going down these rabbit holes and I didn't know why. But then I read this book called The Body Keeps Score. It's by this great Dr. Bessel uh, Vanderkoff. And basically, he brings people with trauma, regressed childhood trauma and stuff. Well, I was reading the book and I got triggered into when I was six year old in a church being sexually molested. I, I went back to, to ground zero. And it's funny because when I was growing up, all of a sudden, about six years old, I got a speech impediment. I couldn't say R's and nobody knew where it came from. I didn't even remember. And so I got bullied and then I'm a really large six, three and my all my family short. So I grew and grew and grew because my coping mechanism, my first one was food. So I ate and they're like, my God, you're always eating. And I was like a hollow leg and, you know, I always got in trouble because, you know, like there's the watermelon in the fridge. Right. And we had six kids and my dad worked a refinery and my mom didn't work. So we weren't we weren't well off. We had a house, but, you know, we we struggled. You know, grandparents gave us food and all that sometimes. But I would eat the core, the heart out of the watermelon with the spoon. I would tunnel a little hole out and eat the whole thing out. And I'd get the crap beat out of me every single time. And guess what? Every single time I did it again. <laughs> mm. So, but anyway, I found out my ground zero of where all my problems, why I always got beat so much is because I was a little shit and I didn't know why, but now I know why I was, I had, I had traumatic issues I had to deal with and beating me. All it did is exasperate it and make me better mm -hmm. at hiding. That's all. And so that's what created the, the Dan that I was at that moment. That was you. That was the, explanation for the mental misunderstanding and yeah. in, in getting that clarity, you were able to shift your perspective. And I love what you said about the, yes, change, the, the outcome of change takes a while, but the commitment to change is a moment in time. And that's when you choose to change your perspective and take different steps forward 
which it sounds like you did once health was the initial trigger to then unpacking the rest of the misunderstanding that gave you the ability to look at that kind of whole picture and and change your perspective on your entire self. Yes. And now you're helping other people do this. Yes. Well, I, I'm not one that would ever ask for help. You know, somebody would help me. I was like, I didn't ask for it. I was that guy. I was, but I was always in the arousal state. I was constantly in the fight or flight cortisol for 50 years. Which is why a kitchen was a great place on some respect, because it, it fueled that. Oh, yeah. I was a professional asshole and I was good at it. <laughs> most exe- no offense, everybody. Most executive chefs are professional assholes. So it worked. And I'm curious, when, like, what made you realize that you could channel all of this into just from even like a practical kind of like entrepreneurial career decision? What made you realize and, and decide to channel all of this into helping other people recover and cope with their burnout? Well, I went through it and then I read all the greats, the Young, uh, Maslow's and all these other theories, attachment theory. And uh, the attachment theory was amazing because I'm like total complex attachment theory. That's me. Picture. And to be able to go and pull myself out of that by these six steps, because I I was like, man, I was actually cooking. I was back at work and we were getting the crap beat out of us. And it was uh August and we're about to go into the busy season because once busy season starts in like September, October, it doesn't stop until December 17th when all the parties stop. So we're about to get our butt kicked and I'm sitting there and, you know, I've got 200 pounds of prime rib I'm slicing to put on the buffet. And I'm like thinking, I don't want to be here anymore. I'd never in my whole 30 year career ever thought I don't want to be here anymore. I'm like, why am I here? I was like, I need to go. There's, I figured something out. I need to go help others. I went to the top of the mountain for me and came back. And now it's like, come on, guys. Come on. It's this way. So let's I can, go. Yeah. And if I can, my whole thing is my mantra is if I can help one person and I've already helped that one person. But now every time it's like, like, like Ed Milet, one more. What if I can help one more? And so I'll never be done. And that's the cool part. And one of the things I think that's really kind of lovely about, let's just say coaching, there's some challenges in the coaching world, but one of the things I think that's really incredible about it is you as a coach will continue to evolve yourself, right? Your deliberate evolution, I would maybe challenge you to say it's just really beginning because you're going to, that is going to continue as you steward others through their journeys. And I have always said, and this is kind of a little message for anybody out there, because I talk to a lot of people who are like, I would love to get into coaching and consulting, and they don't think they can, or they don't think they have any sort of perspective to offer. And you are a a perfect example that all you need to do is be a step ahead of the people that you want to help and have that slight advantage of of time and perspective that seems to be a recurring word here of having gone up the mountain that they either want or need to go up right you're now you you've walked the trail now you can be the the guide who hikes with them the next time and i think that's what's so amazing about what we get to do is that a lot of it is based on our personal life experiences and the perspective that gave us to help somebody else through a journey that that they're fighting and we're just a step ahead Oh, and that, you know, an expert is all they are is like you said, they're a step ahead. They're, they're a step ahead of where the person they're talking to is. Yeah. But 
the journey is, I mean, those six steps or stops, I call them, is is where you have to start at ground zero. Like I found mm-hmm. my ground zero. And, you know, you have to get the, your your values and your priorities. And, and my values and priorities were not were not correct for me yeah. as as a evolving person. And that's why that that's where the name came from is it's you can't get anywhere that is of value without being deliberate. Well, and this is this is perfect. You just went exactly where I wanted to go, which was to start kind of take digging in and taking inspiration from the book, the title of the book, the the idea of these six stops. So uh, let's help everybody out there. Like, how do you know you're you're at that burnout stage or how do you even maybe notice it's coming and cut it off a little bit early? Right. What's it looks look like? I think that burnout, the way I look at it now is burnout is it is your first heart attack that you survive. You can either decide to change your lifestyle, change your stress, change your diet, change your relationships and become better. Or you can keep going down that rabbit hole, that that slippery slope to to being incapacitated and can't get around and on medication and slowly dying in front of yourself day by day. I mean, you can decide. And this is that burnout is when you want to do your career and you're in it, it's like, what more could I do? That's the question you ask, you know, what what's one more thing I could do to to further my career? Now, with that question change to what else could I be doing? That's when you know burnout's coming. That's when you're starting to think it's like, why am I doing this? When you start questioning why, what your purpose is, sometimes our purpose, yes, is our career. Yes, that's great and all that. But your purpose is what you have to help others. And that is from the purpose factor. Uh, Brian and Gabrielle Brochet, they wrote, it's your purpose is what you have to help others. And fulfillment comes from using what you have to help others. Dan, I feel like you just mic dropped the entire uh, reason for No More Mondays existing as a podcast, because that is the most frequently brought up. I'm going to call it a fact at this point. It is the common theme among everybody that we talk to in how they found satisfaction in their career was that they identified their purpose and they figured out how to use it for someone else's betterment. And whether that is directly in their career to make money or it becomes the counter to the, let's say, career that is the the day the day to day. And then they figured out their purpose to, to kind of counterbalance that that is the that seems to be the overarching theme to career and life satisfaction is to understand your purpose and to work in it. And I love the fact that you just brought that up, because typically I, what I have found is it it's very likely that when you're approaching burnout, you're in way out of whack. Right. The alignment oh, yeah. isn't there between at purpose and work or work style and meaning. And then you just keep striving, striving, working harder, harder because you're trying to make the burnout the thing when it just either isn't the thing or isn't the thing in the right way. And you hit the nail on the head with this. Well, you can go, we can look at it so many different ways. And what I used to tell toward the end of my cooking, because I figured out it's like, I still love cooking. I would still love it. The, you know, the pressure, the creativity, all this and getting people. But, you know, now all of a sudden, when somebody bitches about their baked potato being cold, now I'm like, 
screw you instead of like, okay, let's get another potato. Let's do it. Now that whole feeling is like, I could be doing something else because now it's like, okay, that's small compared to what, I mean, I could help these 200 people for dinner and, and make their experience good. It's quite literally small potatoes. Right. Quite literally. <laughs> and what if, what if I could help hundreds and thousands of people? But the point is, is it's, it's that I'm not helping a hundred people. I'm helping 10,000 people because if I help one person, they're going to help somebody else. and They're going to help somebody else. It's yeah. going to set off a chain, a fire, a, a chain reaction. That's just going to, it's going to burn down a lot of people's thoughts and beliefs about what they're doing in life. And is it really worth it? Because I told them, it's like your first job is you think it's here. It's not your first job is at home. Your second job is so you can afford your first job. So if you don't take care of your family, you will not have that first job. If you don't take care of your husband or your wife or your spouse, whatever, or your children, somebody else is going to teach them or somebody else is going to take care of them because you're not interested enough to do that. And that's that whole where I've seen so many chefs that they go through wives and husbands and and front of the house and they go through families and they're on their third marriage and stuff. It's like, what, what, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. It's not them. It's you. You are your own worst enemy and you're screwing your life up. Are you okay with that? And they're like, well, but she was a bitch or he was an asshole. It's like, but you made them like that because you didn't come home because you did this, because you did this, because you didn't show them attention that they deserve that you promised you promised them and you broke your promise. It's interesting because I think sometimes we don't want to admit we're the common denominator in some of those situations, right? It's like, it's always easy to project that on an external factor. And I'll, I'll bring just a little personal anecdote in here. And um, Jim is actually sitting here listening to this. So I'm curious what he's <laughs> going to say to me after this. But many of you know, Jim was a Jim is a sommelier and he was in the food and beverage industry as either a SOM or a front of house manager and then worked behind the bar some for close to 20 years uh, until uh, everything happened in 2020. And he ended up kind of just assimilating himself into career benders because we needed the help. And him him working in the restaurant industry was very, very hard on our relationship. And he will even tell you now that he loves it and there's aspects of it he loves, but he knows there is not a healthy way for him to work in it. And there's not a healthy way for us when he is working in it. And so what we have figured out, and I think this is exactly where you're at, exactly what you're trying to help people see, is he's still helping people. He's still hosp providing hospitality. We've just redirected that. And he's doing it in a different way. And so whatever it is, whether it's a kitchen or a boardroom, if if you're out of alignment when it comes to that purpose, you can redirect and, and channel that energy to help people in a different way that is more aligned. And that's, ex I think, exactly this message that we're that we're we're throwing out there, Dan. And I want to give people some advice and help them. What do you think? Should we get into some practical stuff? Oh, yeah, let's go. Okay. Time to rip the Band-Aid off. Let's do it. So I want to I want to get like super, super tactical. Get what are three things someone can do today to begin moving in this right direction? So let's say they know they bur they burned out there. They know they're not in the right place, but they just stay on the hamster wheel and they don't know what to actually do. What are three things they can do to, to, to just start? Well, on a journey, any journey you have, you have a destination, but also you have to have a starting point. 
And you can't go on a journey unless you know where the starting point is because then you, all roads lead to success. So the very first thing you have to do, you have to do, is you have to figure out your values and your priorities. If you figure those out, you're going to get your goal. You'll be able to determine what your goal is. Not goals. We don't multitask. We multitask. That means we're doing two, three, four things half-ass. We need one goal in life, period. That's all we need as a human, as a person, as a, a leader in our family, a leader in our world. We need one goal. That's it. Whether you call it your purpose, your passion, your personal mission, whatever you call it, have a goal. And I'm going to throw a quick little resource in here. Uh, we're going to include this in the show notes, but we have a core values uh, uh, worksheet and exercise on the Career Benders website that we're going to link to this to this episode because I'm a huge fan of starting with the core values, too. Because how do you know your mission or your goal if you don't know the core values and the foundation with which you're operating? So I love that as that's kind of like four four suggestions all in one of our three. So let's keep going because this is the kind of stuff I love. So what else? That's only one. That's only one step in my thing. So the exactly. second one is is self-awareness. You have to be aware of how you behave because we can't see ourselves behave. We don't see ourselves give, getting overweight until all of a sudden something doesn't fit or or we see a picture of ourselves. We're like, oh, my God. It's like we're unaware of of how we respond well, that the worst part is, is most of us don't respond. We react. We react mm. to when somebody says something to us, we snap at them or road rage or whatever. We react. We don't respond. Responding takes you to a level where you actually have to know what your priorities and your values are. And then you can respond because then, you know, it's like, it's OK. They're having a bad day. That's that's fine. They didn't hit my car or that person They're They're triggered. It's okay. I see that in them because I'm self-aware that I am triggered a lot. And that's what keeps us, a lot of us holding back from the next promotion or, or a good relationship is that we don't respond. We react. We snap at them. We snapped at our spouse. We wake up, you know, you know, you drank the last of this. You left the toilet seat up. We snap at them because something else is wrong. Not that. That has nothing to do with it. So when we become self-aware... We can look at other people and go, like, I, I, I joke with my son. I, I work with him at, at, at this, where I'm at right now. And I'm like, these people walk in to rent these heavy industrial equipment. I'm like, attachment theory, complex attachment theory. So I'm starting to put labels on it because I can see myself as that asshole. I can see it in other people because I'm self-aware of what I was. Mm-hmm. And I learned how to control that. Because once you learn that you burn people, then you can learn how to turn the flame down. Ooh. Oh, that needs to be your tagline. I like it. Yeah, so write that are down. we so uh, are we basically on your six stops right now? Number one's values. Number two's awareness. Oh, yeah, that's it. Can that's... we just can we just go on the whole road and tell everybody the whole six? Yeah, and that's that's okay, my whole thing. It. It's like this is I had I had to work through this and then I had to figure out because you go in there and the model of change. I looked at it and I'm like laughing at it. I'm like, this is bullshit because you look at it and it's like. Uh, pre-contemplation, contemplation. I'm like, dude, stop. Either you want to do it or not. It's it's not, you know, you know, pre-contemplation, you're at the bar. It's like, no, screw it. You want to stop drinking? You got to stop drinking. You got to take it, take it. Uh, you have to be aggressive. You have to be, you have to have a perspective shift. So, but the self-awareness, that's the one thing. And number three is we walk in there is your mindset. 
You have to develop a mindset of peak performance. You have to, now that you know where you're going, you know where you came from, you're aware that you can't carry the luggage or you can or you need a car or you need a moving truck. You're aware of what you need now to haul all your garbage, which you are slowly getting rid of, all your extra baggage. You're getting rid of that in step one. You're getting rid of it in step two. And now we get the mindset, okay, it's like, okay, we're starting to get traction. We're, we're getting that. It, it, it's working out because our mind shift has switched because our perspective has switched. We are no, no longer held hostage by ourselves. And that's, that's the worst thing is we keep, we keep ourselves from pr- being promoted. It's not that we oh, we're our own worst enemies. We are. We know that. We do. I tried to destroy myself so many times with drugs, alcohols, ODing, risky behavior, driving too fast, you know, all that. I tried to kill myself, but I was never successful. And now I'm here. And there's a reason. There's a so, reason. There's a reason. All right. So so by by the time you've got your values, you've got that self-awareness and the ability to respond instead of react. And you've got this pe- this mindset shift. Now I feel like we can start pushing the gas a little on our little roadmap that we're on. Right. So what happens in step four? Step four is is basically uh, adaptive agility. You have to be able to see your circumstances and adapt to the changing circumstances. You have to be able to develop the skills necessary to do that so that when you see that person who's being aggressive towards you, that you can de-escalate it. You get those skills to where it's not important for you to win anymore. Like an argument with your spouse. It's not important that you win anymore. You can move on from that because you're you're becoming agile because you know why. Well, I'm, I, I'm not going to let that bother me because... That's not my priority. My priority isn't trying. Is it traffic? It isn't my boss. It's so when he yells at me, it's like he's having a bad day. Not oh, he hates me, and I could. No, he's having a bad day, and he's taking it out on everybody around him. So you see that, and you start adapting, and you avoid those people. You start removing the people in your life. Those five people that are the most important part of your life. You start removing the ones that don't belong there. The ones who don't add value to you, you remove. You don't have to get rid of them, but you take them out of your five because there's five people that's going to decide your life. Mm -hmm. But also you learn that you have to be a quality person, a person of character to be a person in someone else's five. So you start, you start adjusting. Well, and I think a lot of this is along the lines of that Uh, I don't know if I want to call it a theory, but we've heard that idea that like, who do I need to be to reach my goal, which is very much what this is all about, right? This is like the inner work of like, this is who I want to be, this is who I'm going to surround myself with in order to be the person I need to be to do or become whatever X is. So now that we can adapt, what's, what's our fifth stop? Well, number five, it's just, we already started talking about that is your relationships, you have to find the relationships that are going to help you and not hurt you anymore. You don't the, the relationships that it's going to pull you into the bar and distract you or the person that's going to pull you into the boardroom and elevate you. You, you have you have to your your collaborative connection I call it is like your connections need to mirror your goal. So and that's where we, we a lot of times we fail 
is the people we hang around or we don't say, you know, it's like, oh, I'm shy. And it's like, stop. We're done past this thigh stuff or I'm not socially, I'm awkward. And it's like, no, you choose to be. You have to go out like if you see someone and they're in a position that you want to be in, they're ahead of you, go talk to them. Make a relationship with them. They're happy to tell you. Nobody that is above you will ever talk bad about you for being below them. The people mm. that, that you're haters are always someone that's behind you that is jealous because they can't get past they're not having their priorities set. They can't get yep. past their not being mentally agile. You know, they can't get past any of the mindset. Their mindset yep. sucks. They can't get past it. So they're going to hate on you. And I think you bring up a point in there, too, that we all have every uh, most things in life are a choice. And and sometimes they're hard. Sometimes saying I'm going to be intentional about the relationships I, I have and the people I surround myself with. And unfortunately, that means a hard decision to deprioritize somebody that pulls me into old habits or old patterns. That's that's a hard decision, but it's a choice. Just like, oh, I don't have time to do whatever. Yeah, you do have time to do whatever. You just don't prioritize it, right? And so I think also looking at that and thinking about what is most important on your list of priorities as you reach the goal is, you know, a, co a component of kind of like all of this as you choose to go on this journey. And so how do we know when we've hit number six? What is number six? Number six is action mastery. You actually have to get off your butt and do it. You know, it's that you have to take purposeful action. You have to be de you have to be deliberate in evolving into the person you need to be to get to where you need to go. That's where my whole deliberate evolution came from is like, if you're not deliberate, you'll never evolve. If you never evolve, you'll never reach your goal. Period. That's it. You know, drop the mic. That is because that's the whole. There's, we're just going to end there, everybody. That, well, that, actually, we are just we are going to. That's the perfect place to to to, <laughs> to stop and say, OK, so many people get actually get stuck at six. So just to kind of give that a little more attention, because it, it is just the perfect like, yep, just go be an action master, period. However, I actually think that's where a lot of people get people stop because doing the like the mindset work in, for some people is e is easier then then when you actually got to make rubber hit the road, you're they're like, oh, I got to do something about this now. And so it, that while six is the end of this process, it's the beginning of phase two, which will probably be Dan's second book. So I'm just going to put that out there since the first one isn't even out yet. Might as well write a second one that's here's the next Here's stop seven through 12, right? <laughs> uh, well, I already have it outlined quite literally. I got the title already go. did and it's outlined and I, I have to finish this one. <laughs> so speaking of how can people uh, keep in touch with you, uh, get a news for when the book launches? Uh, I know you're getting into some speaking. So how do people track you in your book and stay in touch with you and this super cool journey that you are uh, ramping into? Right. Well, I'm, Still updating my website, but my website is dancapello.com. Easy. If you want to follow me, I, I'm on social media, the Facebook and Instagram, but I don't really post on those. I post on LinkedIn because mine has to do with leaders. Yep. And you'll find him in my network. We'll fill your newsfeed. Right. But if you go to LinkedIn and just look up Dan Capello, you'll, you'll see my lovely mug there. And, there you go. And I post there five, six times a week. I give away a lot of stuff. Like I just gave away a list of what you can do to 
get your nail your next promotion or your next job interview, the, there's 13 steps in there that you can address to help you get to your thing. Because we talked about the action. It's like action is not big steps. Action is little bitty steps taken consistently over time. Mm-hmm. We'll get you to your destination. Incremental progress or inching yourself forward will often take you further and put you on more solid ground than trying to jump the entire, you know, yardstick you can. at once. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and we're going to we will link everything there. Well, there's a bunch of great book rec- recommendations in our conversation today. We're going to link those. We're going to link the uh, core values exercise. If you just are curious and, and want to see if yours are still the same or you've never gone through that, we'll link that in the show notes, along with uh, Dan's website and LinkedIn LinkedIn profile so you can follow along with him and get all of the goodies he posts on LinkedIn. And don't worry, everybody, you're going to get one more little pearl of wisdom out of Dan as we wrap things up. So are you ready for your kind of the last question? Let's do it. What is your number one piece of advice on what everyone out there can do to get themselves one step closer to career and life satisfaction? Wow. That one thing is it goes back to step one. And I think you're putting it on there. It's that your your values and your priorities. And I, I've got this simple little thing these, you can do. It's real good. You write three columns on your paper and you need to write down all your values. There should be at least five categories. There's relationships, career, health, wealth, wisdom. There's five of them. And guess what, guys? There's not one in each one. You need to write down every. There should be at least eight to 10 to 12 to 20 in each one. Write them all down. Then go through and start scratching them out, least important. Yep. Okay, till you get to 10. Move, move that to the second column and then label them. This is the most important and least important, one to 10. Just label them. Now, in the third column, you take one, two, and three and you put them in the third column and guess what? You have your values and they are prioritized. Period, you're done. Now, you build your life on that. Bam. All decisions. Everything. Lead back to core values. And uh, we, we, we take a similar approach. It's like it, it starts with eliminating, right? So do the dump and then kind of eliminate. However, many of you have heard this. If, if you are still sitting in there, you're still driving around and you're like, man, Angie talks a lot about core values with her people on her podcast. And you haven't done the exercise. I'm going to challenge you to go do it because then you'll know why it comes up so frequently. So that is a, that is a, a good, not only last piece of advice to give everybody as you and I kind of wrap things up. I think it's an awesome challenge to all of you out there to begin your your roadmap. Begin making the stops and work through this. If you feel like you don't like where you're at or you don't know if you like where you're at, it's a good exercise to go through. And I love the, I love Dan's, you know, six kind of areas to be looking at as you kind of walk through change and getting yourself uh, clarity and an action plan to support your goal. That's what we're, that's what this is all about. Right, Dan? Yes, ma'am. I love it. Thank you so much, Dan Capello. Please, everybody out there, follow him on LinkedIn and keep in touch with him as he gets ready to launch his book. We'll be sure to celebrate with him when it comes out and uh, do maybe a little, a little uh, encore episode in order to celebrate that. And for now, I am appreciative of your time and sharing your story and your wisdom being vulnerable with us. 
and joining the No More Mondays movement. It is always amazing to hear from people who have navigated their own career crossroads and charted a path to success. It's a big bonus when it's people who are helping others do the same. So there's some great advice in here, great tactical things. So I hope all of you out there took some notes and we'll head on over to nomoremondays.info to grab all of the show notes. Leave us a five-star rating because who's better than Dan and I, clearly. (laughs) And it's also a huge help to us as we continue to bring you the stories of confident professionals who are doing amazing things in their lives and careers. If you want to leave us comments, feedback, drop a guest suggestion, or grab those show notes, head on over to nomoremondays.info, and I will see you next week for another episode of No More Mondays podcast. Thanks for joining us for another episode of No More Mondays. Tune in next week as we bring you more insights and actions to help you improve your life and career. Don't forget, visit us online at nomoremondays.info to get all the details, show notes, and recommendation from this episode. No More Mondays. We drop new episodes every Wednesday. No More Mondays is brought to you by CareerBenders, Inc. in partnership with executive producer Jane Durkee. For more information about career coaching, resume writing, personal branding, recruiting, and entrepreneurship coaching services, visit us online at careerbenders.com.